Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, you ever eat truffle chips before? Truffle chips? I have not. Just truffle fries. The chips is something different, man. Better? I have to throw the chips away. The chips is something different, man. You know what's happening to me? And maybe somebody out there can can give me an example. It's like I'm getting swole, but it's like I'm not losing weight, but I'm getting swole. What's so you're getting muscle? You're getting Oh, that's what's happening. But isn't muscle supposed to burn the fat? So you're on your it way. It makes me, yeah, it makes me, my body looks different. Great. But it's like, yeah, but like, you know what I'm saying? Um, my titties are rounded into form. Things are happening, but it's hard for me psychologically to not see the scale going down. Don't laugh. Okay. You can't say things like my titties are rounding into form <laughs> and not expect me to have a reaction. Don't look at the don't look at the number in that one on one that they tell you don't pay attention to the weight. Your body's looking different. Let's take these victories. Your body's looking different, as you said. Your titties are rounding out. Don't focus mm-hmm. on the number. I wonder what happens to my nipples now. They've been so. I Van of, of all the things in my life that have really had to deal with like a lot of destabilization and they've had a tough, like my nipples have had it the most. They've just been all over the place in my life. You gain weight, you lose it. The nipples, they find a new home. And what, then what, they, whoa, whoa, whoa. what do you mean they find a new home? Because when I weigh less, my, sh- my shit is up here and the nipples are up here and they're like, they're hanging out with the collarbone, they're talking to the neck, they can scream at the neck at least. But then all of a sudden, the nipple... They got to make new friends. They're trying to figure out what's up with the belly button. You know what I mean? You've the whole really nine, thought they, about this. I'm just, I'm, what's, what's, ha- what, this yo-yoing that happens with me once every 14, 15 years is just really unfair to my nipples. And let's, let's face it. I mean, it's not like my nipples have a function. They're, they're really only there to have a good life. What? So, what are you talking about? So, 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 so no, listen, no, no. so listen. <laughs> but you gotta let me explain if you're gonna criticize. So, what I'm saying is that if I was a woman and I had a baby, and my, you know, they sag a little bit, you go, "Well done, nipple. Well done." Like, babe, the pig. That'll do, nipple. That'll do. But being that I'm a man. I don't know what my nipples are supposed to do. I'm sure there's some really educated thought warrior out there that knows what men's nipples are for. But my nipples, they're like, they're just here to have a good time. And I don't feel like I'm giving them that. So I got to get them in a nice place where they'll sit there for a little while. Like I put on a, um, I put on a tank top, you know, to go do an interview earlier today. And I can just tell there was a lot of angst, nipple angst. I don't even know how to respond to this. This titty oh. talk. This titty, titty talk that titty, you're getting. Oh, titty God. Titty talk it's with man. Titty talk with man. talk. No, let's let this be the last one. No, we're going to start. What I want to do on the podcast is I want to um, I want to like measure my cup size and my 
bra size and we do titty talk once a month to see if my titties are getting smaller or if they're staying the same size. So who's going to do that? You know, you can go into like a Victoria's Secret and get it measured. They will measure it? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll go in there and have them do it. Like I'll go into Victoria's Secret and They'll find you the correct bra size. Yes, they will. For real? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll measure you and they're like, okay, you're a 36C. Are the women in Victoria's Secret are they really good at that, or like, is are, are they is it cap? Can they, can they just look at you? No, and tell, they, like, they what measure the- you, which is what you want, right? Because you want to know, like, are my thirty four, thirty six? Want 36. them to measure that back area? Want them to figure out? They get just go to the front to get the cup size. Isn't the back area gonna throw my measurements off though? They go around. They go all the way around. But they go around. But what, that's gonna be like. I'm gonna be like an eighty six something, okay. right? Isn't it, I got a big ass back. You're not gonna what? be an eighty six. Can I be honest? Like, please, it, it, you guys. Why can't we talk like this? Like, why can't we have conversations? We're doing it now. About, I know, but you seem so uncomfortable. No, 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 Rachel. no. I'm more comfortable with this. I'm the one talking about measuring the titties or the middies, as I like to call them. What What are you calling middies for? Man titties. Nah, it's titties. Manoobs. It's just the thing is man titties. Noobs, uh, noobs. I like noobs. Manoobs. 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 What about moobs? Moobs. Moobs are good. Moobs are good. Donnie, you got moobs, don't you? I could tell. You skinny fat, ain't you? No, but I've been fighting. Donnie. I'm, I'm at the age <laughs> Donnie, where like, Donnie, I've seen the changes. Donnie, and I've You've seen the, the changes. Yeah. Trying to like, Donnie, run the changes off. Because the first body that falls apart is the runner's body. I've seen these old runners. That body, that's the body that falls apart. Donnie, you got you. You tell tell us tell us your story, Donnie. I'm talking about more. Tell us your story. Well, I can. It it was the scale that freaked me out first and foremost. You can't look at um, the scale. I know. I hadn't. I just hadn't weighed myself in so long, and I was used to weighing myself and seeing myself be at about a 155 range. And Jesus then, Christ, 155. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Donnie. You you no, 155 I'm, pounds is a grown ass man. Yeah, I, but let Donnie talk. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you're you're shaming me. Um but th- this was uh this was like late mid to late 20s. I'm 34 now. And oh, okay. um, so, yeah, yeah. the pandemic happened. I mm-hmm. moved. There was a lot of different life things that happened. And I I hadn't weighed myself in several years. And um, a few months ago, I weighed myself and I was at 172. And that, on top of me noticing shirts fitting different, tank tops fitting different, I was like, I got to I gotta do something. I got to nip this in the bud. So I started running. And nip. luckily, I have a dog with long legs. Nip. Yep. That's the theme. Um <laughs> And I've just been uh, I've I've shaved it off, so now I'm at 156. Wow! And, oh, way to go, Donnie! Yeah. Donnie, so I'm just trying to keep good. this. I'm trying to maintain this. I think, guys, running as a lifestyle. I gotta I nothing. gotta get onto the running now. I will say I too have gained, and I don't not because of the not because I look at the scale. I refuse. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you the last time I weighed. I go by the gene test. Mm-hmm. There are genes. So there's several clothes I can no longer fit. See, I was wearing mm-hmm. sweats for so long, I didn't realize it until I had to put on a yeah. jean. Jeans yeah. don't fit. Jeans don't, don't fit. fit. 
Kalik is supposed to come over here and help me with some stuff. I can't even have her in my closet. I can't fit majority of the clothes in my closet. And I'd it's, like to I think that I can ar- get back in there. If I turn this around right now, it's all these clothes in here that I'm hoping to one day get into again. And I will. But maybe I'll be too swole. Because I might, I, at this time, I might be like the rock. But Let me see you. Let it, me see. Let me see what you're working nah, with. I'm not doing Let nah, me see. Come no. on. That, Come on. Excuse what? me. Uh, uh, new producer. Did you hear that? You you let you let that be turned around and me say to Rachel, Rachel, let stand me see, up. Let me see what let you want. And hey, you know what? I would stand no, up. No, no. <laughs> I <would> stand up. <laughs> no, I feel I feel I feel like I'm working my ass off. That's what I, I do. I think though. that's great, man. Let me tell you what I do. I do the whole workout. I told you about this, didn't I? Tell you about the treadmill. I tell I you about my treadmill. So. I do a fat burn on the treadmill after. No, you didn't 40, tell us. 40, 45 minutes on the treadmill wow. at a at a six incline at a three point five speed going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at the fucking fat man go! I be around. I'm moving. Around. I I look so fucking terrible in when I'm in Equinox, dude. I like like I look so poor, you know. Which Equinox got, do you go to? In BH. No, uh, West Hollywood. Uh, not West Hollywood. Like uh, oh, a sports club, LA. Oh. Sports Club LA. You know, just, I just gotta of. get a trainer. You do? You're inspired. Joel Katz. Joel Katz is my trainer. I'm not a member at, at that club. You don't have the all club membership? I don't have a membership to any gym. Oh, you know, so how do you, when, when you work out, what do you do? You just. I haven't been working out. You think y'all think I'm, I'm playing? What I, does Brian do? Brian, Brian works you out. remember that X three bar he tried to show you? Brian hasn't what been X3 in the bar? Brian hasn't been in the gym in years. He uses a bar where he, um, it's like resistance bands using his own weight. That is all he does. It's like a huh. it's a twenty minute workout, and he uses it. It's a lot. I've done it a couple of times. That's all he does, and and just, watches what he eats. That just tells me that is genetics. No, I've seen. Yeah, that's a, I've seen. That's I've, the, you've seen what? I've seen the, no, I've seen the difference when he went to the gym versus using this bar. Yes, some of it is genetics, but like he's using his own See, weight to work out. That's that's my thing. Donnie says that he's one hundred and fifty five pounds, one hundred and fifty six pounds. It's like that's so interesting to me. I remember. They weighed me in the sixth grade and they were like, wow, 150. I was 200 pounds by the time I got to high school. High school, I say between 200 and 250, depending on what season it was for the sports. Then I got all the way up to 375. You know, but just imagining me at 156, I'm going to try to get there. No, don't. I'm going to try to get to 150. Because how tall are you? You have to do a height weight Six ratio. Four. You're not supposed yeah. to be. Donnie, how tall is Donnie? Something. Donnie looked pretty tall. I'm Donnie, like how tall? Five, seven, five, eight. I'm, Why are you I'm acting like you've never height. seen Donnie? Donnie came to the studio. It, it was once. Real quick. You only seen him once. You know what I'm saying? I've seen him once. But so, Donnie, you're five, seven, five, eight, 156. Yeah. Safety. Making plays out there in the field. Rachel. What? Um, oh, I have to show you something. What is it? So I was checking the mail and okay. I got something from my insurance company. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's so nice that they sent me something. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up and I said, I cannot escape it. Oh my God. 
A calendar came in the mail. Flip through it. Now it's not a mountain lion, but it's, the, it's his cousin. Though. It's his cousin, and I thought mm-hmm. even my insurance, State Farm, knows about yeah. mountain lion. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. Each month has an animal. Only June has the mountain lion, so we don't need to flip through it. It's like birds. Look for, so that's that's probably a leopard, right, or a jaguar of some sort. I'm not so good leopard. with this. Ca- I'm gonna go got with spots. the leopard. It's got spots, but I, I'm gonna give this to you. I would like to have it. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people are sending me mountain lions having a. I know they are. They're sending it. To mountain me. lions having a. They're having a bad month. Uh, is a mountain lion. <laughs> they always do, man. <laughs> like <laughs> mountain lion. There was a mountain lion that just attacked a dog. Another dog was attacked. See, this dog survived, and they killed the mountain lion. They had to kill the mountain lion, which is very unfortunate. But they didn't know what was going on. If I am um, got an alert on my phone that said P twenty two was in the neighborhood. Which P twenty two is in your neighborhood? Well, close enough, I guess. You know, I have ring alerts next door. And you would have loved it because I looked at the comments and everyone was like, wow, what a beautiful creature. Wow, majestic. Look at mm. our neighbor. And I thought, you guys, this is a, an, a wild animal. P-22 is among us. And I, I told the dogs they can't go outside. They shouldn't go. Well, They shouldn't go outside they if P-22 be able to, is outside. They should be able to go to their backyard. And they go to safe. their backyard. I don't think P-22 is going to be able to get in the backyard. Can maybe he will, maybe he will. Can he? <laughs> what? I don't know. I, 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 it's a I don't know. Lion. He can jump the fence. Well, I thought climb up it. Climb up the fence and jump over it. I think that even though Mountain Lion does bad things sometimes, that it's still worth having the conversation about how we interact with animals. I've been I've been getting into mountain lions. I've been getting into eagles a lot. I told you I follow, I tell you I followed Eagle Society on Instagram. I've been looking at a lot a lot more eagle birds. content. Eagle is majestic. Eagle, I think. No, e- we're not I doing this again. Uneagle. What? Uneagle. No, eagle. <laughs> eagle. Eagle is again. majestic. I think. I think. I, I don't know what. I'm serious. I'm being, let me have a serious moment. I don't know what speaks to me about animals. I was looking at, maybe it's Bozeman. I'm thinking, I, I was hanging out with Bozeman last night. And I'm like, God damn it. You're just about the best fucking thing in the world. You adorable little puppy. He went, I know that. And I look at Eagle and I see him fly and he's so large. And then I see people who have their own relationship with Eagle and let me show you this video of this no. girl. I saw this video. Rachel, please. <laughs> please like, like, <laughs> you know who else Rachel. loves eagle, as you say? What? The judge. Uh-huh. The judge See? loves an eagle. See? See, Rachel, what's your favorite animal? Copper. No. That's not good enough, man. How dare Copper's you say great, that? Though. How dare you say that about copper? No, copper's no. I'm saying that of course copper's not an animal. That's like your kid. But like, do you don't like like a salamander? Oh, gross! Or... Yuck! What purpose do they serve? <laughs> a salamander? They serve a purpose in the ecosystem. They eat a worm or something or an insect. I don't know. They gotta do something. God, everything that God made does something. Okay. 
He's, he's a he's a mysterious, wonderful god. Is mountain lion your favorite animal? I would say so. I would hope so for as much time that we put into it every week. Um, we got to get the show started. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we have to talk about a story today that I'm not sure how we're going to talk about it because it's some real mess type shit. I want to be nice. And I want to be fair. I'm talking about Van Jones. That you don't need to be either one of those. Want to be nice? Want to be fair? Why? Uh, Tell him what he did. Why? And I want to know why you feel like you need to be fair when that's not what he was giving or nice. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But first, we have to talk about the big deal of the day, which is, of course, "Free as a Bird, Free as a Bird." Brittany Griner has been released from a Russian detention center. On the other side of the break. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Rachel, where were you this morning when you found out that Brittany Brittany Griner had been released? In the bed. It was the... Actually, it was Donnie. It was a text message from Donnie that let me know that. It was the first thing that I saw this morning when I opened my phone. Hmm. Yeah. Your thoughts? Uh, Well, I was surprised. I thought that I was reading it wrong, especially because it was the first thing I saw. I was like, am I reading this right? You know, we had been hearing when they were working on it. And I honestly thought that once she was sentenced and, you know, we were getting that update and we were getting, you know, what, what she was thinking and she felt hopeless and she felt the country had forgotten her. I honestly thought that there was nothing that we could do. I thought that we already tried the route that ended up, um, that they ended up taking, taking, I thought that they had exhausted that. I thought Russia didn't want it. So I was shocked when I heard that she was coming home, not just that the deal had been done, that she was on a plane on her way home. So obviously, after I got over that, I'm happy for Brittany that she is free from that. You know, we, we've discussed it multiple times on this podcast. Of she was, she was wrongfully in prison. She never should have received that amount of years. Uh, shouldn't have even been sentenced at all for what she had. Uh, I know it's violated her laws. I mean, the laws in Russia, but she should not have been sentenced for that. She was they were making an example out of her. It was very unfair. So I'm happy that she's coming home. I'm happy for her wife. I'm happy for her child. Um, Yeah. So you asked my initial reaction. Shock. But then I'm happy. I'm I'm really happy that Brittany's coming, coming home. You? Let's just uh, I'll get into it in a second. Let's listen to President Biden on it. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release. It took painstaking and intense negotiations, and I want to thank 
all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. I also want to thank the UAE for helping us facilitate Brittany's return, because that's where she landed. These past few months have been hell for Brittany and for Charlie and, uh, and her entire family and all her teammates back home. People all across the country have learned about Brittany's story, advocated for her release, stood with her through, throughout this terrible ordeal. And I know that support meant a lot to her family. I'm glad to be able to say that Brittany's in good spirits. She, uh, she's relieved to finally be heading home. And the fact remains that she's lost months of her life, experienced the needless trauma, and she deserves space, privacy, and time with her loved ones to recover and heal from her time being wrongfully detained. Yeah, so <laughs> my feelings on Brittany Griner coming home are as follows. Uh-oh. Insane joy. I don't okay. know why it affected I, me as much as it did. Okay, because <laughs> your face was scaring me. I was like, where are we going with this? I'm so happy that she's back. Uh, uh, look, we've had a conversation. We had conversations on the podcast about uh, Victor Boot, who Victor Boot is and what his release um, means for the world community and what he did to get to where he was uh, and how dangerous of a person he is. I'm not to the point to where I can care about that like I should because um, a black woman has been returned to her family and spared the uh, terrible fate of having to live in a Russian detention center for something that she didn't do. Uh, I think the administration is probably going to have to navigate this for a little while in terms of um, I'm sure it bought them a lot of goodwill from most clear thinking people, but politically a lot of people who don't have any room to talk are going to use this as some sort of weapon against the administration. But I have to be honest with you. They said they get Brittany back and they said they were doing everything to get Brittany back and they did it. So, I mean, uh, regardless of what you think about the prisoner swap itself, the reality here is that Biden said he was going to do something and he delivered. And um, that's a real tangible thing. Now we haven't, we already, we always discuss what the one thing means for the group of people, you know, like, is this something that as a group of people, we can say that Biden really did for people and probably not. But the reality is, uh, you had a community that wanted Brittany Griner home. And it was more than just black people, more than just the LGBTQ plus community that wanted Brittany Griner home, demanded Brittany Griner to be home and the administration delivered, wrap it up in a bow. That's it. The end. Uh, it, whatever had to be done to get her back was done. Uh, the prisoner swap was had. I saw a video of her getting on a plane. Uh, oh, he did. Victor. Yeah. Victor Boot getting on a plane um keep tabs on him uh keep tabs on him let her do what she's got to do with her family now and 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 life moves on but there's no way to call yourself a person that loves justice or freedom um and then not 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 have a uh 
not have a big smile on your face right now for Brittany Griner coming home. There's just no way to do it. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it seems like a lot of people had a lot to say about that and didn't have the same reactions that we had and didn't have those smiles on their faces. There was a lot of, you know, discourse on um, on social media, of course, where just as quickly as it was announced that Brittany Griner was coming home and there was this trade with Victor Boot people immediately started discussing Paul Whelan and saying that Paul Whelan should have been a part of this trade. Now, if you've been paying attention, the Biden administration said that that wasn't even an option for them. It was Brittany Griner for Victor Boot or no or nothing at all. Obviously, I'm sure they tried to negotiate for Paul Whelan, but that but the Russian authorities or administration, whoever it is in charge, was not allowing that to happen. It doesn't mean that they're going to give up their effort to fight for Paul, but a lot of people had a lot to say or maybe felt it wasn't fair that Britney is able to come home and are blaming it on her celebrity, where Paul, who was a Marine, is still sitting over in a Russian prison. Those people are right. That it's not fair. Uh, I don't want to get into what's fair and what's not fair. But if anybody thinks anybody out there who thinks right now that Brittany Griner's celebrity is what ended up being the impetus for the incredible outpouring um, of support for her and her family mm-hmm. that ended up leading mm-hmm. to uh, the Biden administration getting her back is 1000 percent correct. That to me doesn't change the fact that you should be happy that uh, a Russian prisoner was released, you know, from detention over something that was draconian isn't even the word for the penalty. But if we're asking the question whether or not this happened because Brittany Griner is a high profile American athlete, then of course it is. And there are other people who are who are unfairly i don't want to say unlawfully because they have their own laws but unfairly being detained in russian prisons who are going to be there a lot a, a, a lot longer not just russian prisons but prisons all over the place yeah that nobody's going to give a shit about because they're not famous and that's just the way the world be it is you know and, per- and perhaps now those people might actually even have a better chance of that's having somebody Oh, go ahead and say it. No, no, no. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, you're right. I think people are looking at this the wrong way. She got home. There was an opportunity. There was a moment when the Russians weren't even entertaining any other options. So the fact that they were able to mm-hmm. work something out and bring her home gives hope for other people who are in prison. And let's not forget, Trevor Reed came home in April. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're one that the administration is doing things that we have no idea what they're what they're working on behind the scenes while we're quick sure. to judge and say what they're not doing they are constantly working we've seen two citizens american citizens come home this year alone and i don't think they will stop at all working to bring paul Whelan home and others as well so i think we're looking at this the wrong way because it's just so within us as 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 human beings to complain and judge and constantly point out what's not being done the negative let's do something right now let's bring in tj quinn who is okay. uh he's a reporter over at espn and he's been on the ground floor of this situation um since the beginning of it and has done so much reporting on what's happening with britney griner efforts to get britney griner home and um 
and what it was going to take. He's going to fill in some of the gaps for anybody out there that might have some questions about what this entire saga, uh, like how this played out and what exactly it took for the White House to convince the Russians uh, to to do this prisoner swap. So we have TJ Quinn coming on right now. TJ Quinn is joining us from ESPN. Um, and you have been right at the forefront of this story since the beginning of it. Uh, I want, I think people have a lot of different, differing and varied questions about exactly what happened here. Um, this was a surprise to me that she was this close to being released. Brittany Griner was this close to being released. Can you take us through exactly what the Biden administration was doing or what the process of getting on the same page with the Russians was like over the last couple of weeks or months? Well, you know, you, you remember the U.S. made an offer back in June uh, to trade mm-hmm. Victor Boot, the so-called merchant of death, um, which, by the way, people I've talked to in Russia say, who came up with that? That's an American thing. Um, that they were willing to trade him. They were trying to get both Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, but they couldn't get a response. They would get general questions from from people in Russia saying, uh, well, what about this guy? What about this kind of prisoner? Uh, but not what they would call a firm counterproposal that they could react to. Uh, President Biden said early on I, I, that he knew it would take an imbalanced deal to get her back. And imbalanced meaning... Uh, a convicted arms dealer who is doing a 25 year sentence in, you know, in the U S for a woman who had, you know, traces of weed uh, in her luggage. Um, It's not exactly a fair swap, uh, but the president had said, I'm willing to do this. Um, It became clear that Russia wasn't going to engage during her trial. Part of that whole system is they've got to pretend the legal system is legitimate. It is not by any objective measure. It's transactional. She was a a chip in a poker game. And once the trial was over, they thought maybe something will happen now. Well, it didn't. And then they thought, okay, maybe the midterm elections, maybe that'll change things because they knew Putin did not want Joe Biden to have a political victory of any kind before the midterm elections. So once, yeah. And so once that day came and went, they thought, okay, maybe something will happen. Then uh, I think it was the 18th of November, uh, Russia's deputy foreign minister, Sergei Ryabkov, uh, said in Russian media, he was optimistic that they could do something. Well, the U S state department shot back very quickly and said, well, you're not acting like it. You guys may be saying this publicly, but privately, you're not engaging with us. Sometime in the next week or so, uh, whether it was in response to that or not, Russia made what was a a clear counteroffer, straight up one for one, Victor Boot for Brittany Griner. The U.S. still wanted to get Paul Whelan back, but uh, I, I spoke to a White House official this afternoon who said they just would not engage on Paul Whelan. And fact that the U.S. at one point had offered straight up uh, Victor Boot for Paul Whelan, and Russia said it's a non-starter. So it became clear within the past week to the U.S. government that this is the only deal we can get. Either we leave her there with the hope that we can get something to bring Paul Whelan home, or we take the deal on the table and get her back. And apparently that was, you know, I'm, well, clearly 100 uh, percent Joe Biden's call. Apparently a week ago, he said he was willing to do it. And then Monday, um, 
suddenly Brittany Griner is moved from her prison back to a jail in Moscow. And, and they knew this was coming. Hmm. Um, TJ, were you shocked when you found out um, or did you know even prior? Because I know that you tweeted out one thing that you've learned in doing and following this and reporting on this for about nine months is that we don't know what we don't know. And right. I mean, they might even be working on something right now with Paul Whelan and we have no idea. Were you aware that this was going to happen today? No, absolutely not. Um, and it's funny because somebody had said to me a couple of days ago in response to a kind of a different question, there might be something later this week. I thought it was something completely different. Um, but they knew it was coming. Look, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't know it was going to be today, but I knew all along that it could be, it could be a year. It could be in five minutes. And so mm. you knew that whenever it happened, it was going to be a surprise because they don't typically announce it until somebody's on the plane out of that airspace. These deals are yeah. so tenuous. And when you're dealing with a, a country like Russia, one of the first, not that there are a lot of countries like Russia, but um, one of the first you know, problems you've got is you don't always know who you're, who you're talking to, who you're negotiating with. You may be talking to somebody from the FSB or from the foreign ministry and think mm. that's somebody in a position to make a deal. And it turns out, no, it's somebody else in the Kremlin has somebody closer to Putin, maybe. Uh, or maybe Putin himself could come in and say, I don't like this. But you, you can sometimes get pretty far down the road in a negotiation and think you're close to something and find out, no, this person didn't have the authority to do it. And so they are, they were really up from what I'm told today, they were optimistic for the past week, it was going to happen and confident it was going to happen. But until she's on that plane, you don't know. Two questions. One, why was Paul Whelan, uh, the American Marine who was arrested in 2018, accused of spying? Why was it a non-starter with him? Why are the Russians so uh, reluctant to make any type of deal to bring him back home? And two, why was it so important for Putin to get Victor Boot back? Two excellent questions. I'm still trying to get answers to. Um, as far as Paul Whelan, the U.S. government doesn't seem to have any any better idea about why Russia sees him as such a high valued asset. Um, like I said, they offered him straight up for Victor Boot. Again, you know, and Victor Boot doing a 25 year sentence for for arms trafficking. Um, Russia said that they see, uh, and again, everything I'm saying is, is according to what I'm hearing from U.S. government officials. It's, I have no independent knowledge of this. I always look, they, they seem to be people, you know, dealing in good faith. Um, but I, I don't know 100%, you know, accuracy of, of what they're telling me. But what those officials told me is Russia said Paul Whelan is to them a different class of prisoner than Brittany Griner was and that they just didn't consider him a straight up trade for Victor Boot. Um, they've had him for four years this month. And, you know, there was no deal apparently that they tried to cut with the Trump administration. Um, the people I've spoken to have said that they haven't even really made a, a, an offer to get him back. Um, why is it so important for them to keep him in, in prison? Because they're willing to deal on just about anybody. Like we said, it's, it's a transactional system. Why is Victor Boot so important? That's really interesting. And you know, I've talked to a lot of experts about this. He is the guy they've wanted back. He is in, apparently in some circles gotten kind of a folk hero status over there. And 
you have to wonder, is, is there somebody in, in Vladimir Putin's inner circle who wants him so badly? Um, there are other high profile people in custody in the U.S. There's the son of a member, a high ranking member of the Duma, the legislature, who's been here for, I, th I think it's, it might be six years now. Uh, I should have checked before. But, uh, you know, he's been in a U.S. prison for hacking and he's got a high ranking you know, politician for a father. They weren't knocking down the door to get him back. Um, so what was so special about Victor Boot? Really not sure. I mean, the experts I've spoken to have said they think there's just somebody close to Putin with a really strong interest in getting that guy home. There's been obviously a lot of attention. You know, people have been paying attention to the fact that Brittany Griner, because of her status as a public figure, as a professional athlete, um, uh, being in prison over there, it's brought a lot of attention to other American citizens that are being detained or in prison in Russia. Do you think that, or are you hearing that this might be open the door for the more one-on-one, -on -one, you know, trading this, this, as you mentioned, the, the Russian prisoner that you just talked about with the, the, the father, that's a high Russian official. Do you think we might see more of this back and forth? Because I, I'm sure you've been seeing what's happening on Twitter just quickly as they announced that Brittany Griner was coming home. Everyone started to also talk about Paul Whelan. Do you think that we might see more of this as so much attention has been uh, put on this specific case? I think, I mean, she's by far the, the highest profile, um, you know, person who's involved in this. Um, but the real to me, the significant shift was back in April when Trevor Reed, another former Marine who was, had been in prison there for you know almost two years at that point, when he was released, that was a big sign that, one, after the war started, there was still a diplomatic channel open because not everybody was sure that was the case. Once the war started, they didn't even know if the two sides could have a conversation. So, OK, they knew there was a way to talk. And the other was that it was clear the American government was willing to make that deal. Trevor Reed was convicted uh, of, of punching a police officer over there in a trial that was farcical. I mean, you don't have to be yay USA to, you know, to, to look at that case and, and just see how ridiculous it was. Um, and, you know, the, when, when the U.S. was able to trade a, a, a guy who was a pilot uh, convicted of smuggling uh, here for him, the, then it was clear, OK, they're willing to make these trades. Um, and they're willing to overpay for it. So that was the best news that Brittany Griner's family could have gotten at that point. Um, the Biden administration has made it clear that they'll do, do those kinds of deals. So you should see more of that. And they are clearly willing to trade for Paul Whelan. They don't, they don't know what Russia wants. So that's sort of where they're stuck. And there were also uh, several Venez you know, uh, Americans who were uh, imprisoned in Venezuela who were released a few months ago. That got a lot less attention because you didn't have someone like Brittany Griner involved. Um, but the Biden administration has made it clear this, this is going to be their policy. You said something earlier, um, because obviously who Victor Boot is has been, um, it's been discussed, Ballyhooed, over the last couple of months. I had seen the movie Lord of War <laughs> long before I knew who it was supposedly based on. It's actually a dope movie. Uh, so I'd seen it a long time ago. So even the, the term merchant of death, you seemed a little bit earlier to say that there are some uh, in Russia who scoff at that nickname. 
how dangerous of a man is Victor Boot actually? Well, it's, I mean, it's a great question. It's a key one, right? What do we give up in order to get her back? And I mean, what he was doing, he, he got started as a former KGB officer who, you know, started taking decommissioned Soviet uh, military material and selling it to countries, a lot of them in Africa, poor countries and, and fueling those wars. Um, he was, you know, People in those countries, uh, you know, really sick at the idea that this guy who helped help feed so much violence in that continent um, would get a pass. Uh, to him, he was just an entrepreneur. And if there was any sort of folk hero status for him in Russia, it was, hey, here's this guy who, you know, rose from our struggling economy and found a way to make money, you know, doing what he did good for him. There's an amorality to it as opposed to uh, an evilness, uh, if you mm, will. And, yeah. and, you know, we can get into the nature of evil and the banality of evil, et cetera. But um, he is, is he a threat to anybody now? Um, well, I would imagine his access to those materials isn't what it was. I doubt he has the connections he had when he was arrested in Thailand 14 years ago. Um, so is he somebody who, you know, the kind of person you put him out in the street, is he going to risk American lives? Um, seems unlikely, uh, you know, but, but was there just payment for what it was that he did? And, you know, what I, a lot of people are equating just, I think, trying to do apples to apples, him to her. The fact is he has been in custody for 14 years. So it's not like the guy's done nothing. It's not the same as 25 years, but, you know, even in this country, you do reduce sentences for good behavior, et cetera. Um, so it's, so it's not like he got off with a slap on the wrist. He has been in a federal prison all this time. Is there any possibility that he, um, throughout his willing and dealing throughout the, uh, throughout the world, I know that he armed a large part of Africa and different skirmishes and he, made the AK-47 into the iPhone of warfare is what they say. Uh, is there any possibility that he has any specific knowledge um, about American investigative tactics? Mm. Uh, uh, Amer does, does he know anything about us that the Russians want him uh, to tell them? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, that, that's, that's the, mm. that's the most direct answer. He's, I don't know how much you can gain when you're in a federal prison. I know they're going to right. want to debrief him the way our government's going to want to debrief Brittany Griner. Um, and I also know he's going to have less say over what he does over there than she's going to have over here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're, look, they're, they're going to give me heroes welcome, probably. Sure. And, and yeah. I've been following Russian media. Um, God bless Google Translate um, and a few other <laughs> you know, Russian sources that I've got. Um, the stories from them about him or how his like his mother-in-law died without getting to see him one more time and the, the heartbreak mm, of that. Yeah. They've made him into yeah. a very mm -hmm. sympathetic figure over sure. there. Yeah. Let yeah. me ask you this uh, last question for me. Do you think that this will affect professional athletes playing in Russia? Oh, I mean, it already has. The, the women didn't go back. But there were a number of men who were over there playing for club teams who stayed there, which was mm. an interesting choice. Um, you know, they're making money. Um, with Russia right now, there's a do not travel order in effect. So if you're going, you're going completely at your own peril. Um, 
you know, there, I think there are a couple issues connected to that. One is just the general safety when you go to another country, but there's also, you know, the, at least the start of a conversation now about what's an athlete's responsibility uh, as far as where the money is coming from when they're getting paid. They're, the teams over there are owned by oligarchs, and it is essentially a criminal enterprise. They're kept in power. Vladimir Putin funnels them money, and in return, they keep him in power. That's why when the war started, that's who the government's targeted was the oligarchs. That's where the money is. Um, and it's not just the, you know it's not just on the athletes to make that moral decision. The fact is the NBA had you know Mikhail Prokhorov you know owned the, the Nets. Owned the Nets, yeah. He owned the Nets and the English Premier League. Uh, you know had Abramovich owned Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. You know the leagues were perfectly content to take that money and and not ask too many questions where it came from. And look at all the deals people now getting in bed with Saudi Arabia. Um, the whole live golf thing. Um, so there is a conversation to be had, but that money is a powerful, powerful draw. Hmm. You're not going to work for live golf anytime soon. <laughs> they, TJ, they haven't made an offer. <laughs> they, got, they got all that money tiger turned down. No one's, no one's called me. I'm easy to reach outside the lines. <laughs> Riyadh. <laughs> TJ Quinn. Um, thank you so much yes. for joining us on higher learning. Uh, we we expect to have you back because I, I'm expecting at some point there's going to be a bombshell Brittany Griner sit down. I'm assuming she'll talk to somebody pretty soon about her experience over there. I don't know and how that's, soon, that's, but yeah, I mean, she at some point she will. Um, you know what the what the family had told me leading up till today and reinforced today is they are going to take their time. They're going to let her settle back. There good. are. There's a lot of really strong advice about how you should get back into your life. You don't just rush back into it. And they're going to, you know, see how she's feeling and what she's up for. But a really interesting thing is as soon as she was out of Russian custody, she is legally back in charge of her own life. The U.S. government, no one can tell her what to do. So she'll take Mm. advice, but it's going to be her plan on her time. Couldn't have come at a moment too soon. TJ Quinn, um, ESPN, Outside the Lines, thank you so much yes. for joining us uh, today on Higher Learning. Thanks no for problem, having me. my brother. Thank you. Of course. Mm-hmm. All right, that was TJ Quinn, ESPN, Outside the Lines. If if you didn't get the whole gist of it after that, there's nothing we can do. The guy's one of the smartest guys <laughs> in the whole world on the situation. He covered it from the beginning. We're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side of this break, Rachel, we got to talk about Van Jones. All right. Rachel, are you aware of what's been going on? No. Van Jones. Yes. Yes. I just wish I did it. I wish I wasn't aware. All right. So, guys, let me run this down real quick. I'm going to do something that's hard for Van, hard for me. First of all, I'm not going to be a douchebag and talk about myself in a third person. I'm going to try to, I'm going to attempt to give you guys a skinny on this without being hyper verbose. And, Rachel, you can tell me where you're going, why I'm going wrong. Really quick, Van Jones gave a speech on Tuesday at the UGA Federation of New York Wall Street dinner. Okay, he talked at a dinner to a Jewish organization. It had been reported, okay, it had been reported by senior political reporter Jacob Kornblow that at this dinner, Van Jones had apologized to the Jewish community for the silence of my community that Van Jones had apologized on behalf of black people for our silence 
during this heightened time of anti-Semitism. Rachel, did you hear about that when that happened? I did. Yes. I, yes. Go ahead. I did. Yes. <laughs> I did. Yes. 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 He said, allowing an African-American icon praising Hitler and the Nazis. And we act like we don't know where that hatred came from. But he says, now the silence is over. Two days later, first of all, when this, ha- when this was put up, the internets went crazy. Okay. As because they should have. The internet's a little crazy. People are saying, how in the world is Van Jones speaking for all of us? Why is Van Jones acting as if we haven't had a problem with some of the anti-Semitism that we've heard from Kanye West or whomever? Why is he doing this? So a why, lot of people said. Why, why? Why, why, why? <laughs> Turns out at that time that guess what? He didn't do that. And we a said, couple of days later. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, we were like, thank goodness. Oh. <laughs> a couple of days later, Cornblow comes back and he says, hey, clarification, Van Jones did not apologize for the alleged black silence about Kanye. To the contrary, he stressed that many in his community are speaking out forcefully. In his speech, he said he was sorry that he and others didn't do more before Kanye apologizes, apolog- he apologizes for any confusion. Okay, there's something else that I know about this. Before I get to that, Van Jones responded to this. He said, thanks for the apology and the correction. If I had said black folks weren't holding Kanye slash Ye accountable, that would have been a lie because zillions of us have condemned Ye. Let's stick together and get louder uh, versus hate. Okay. There's something else that I know about this. And if you follow Michael Harriet, you'd know it too. Van Jones got flambéed everywhere for this. He got flambéed on the shade room. Got flambéed on the route. Everyone was like, what the hell is he doing? From what I hear, and I know this person, I I do know that this happened because I was talking to a friend of mine that contacted Van Jones. It was like, I didn't say this. I didn't do this. Van Jones apparently, according to some, went around contacting different people that work at these organizations. Black media. Black media. And telling them that not only did he not say that, But according to some, and I cannot verify this, that he used some pretty angry language in trying to get them to take the stories down about that or print retractions to them. So I've been told. Now, with my friend, he didn't do that. Somebody that he knows a little bit differently and he wouldn't kind of try to strong arm. So it's like, hey, I didn't say this. Just to let you know, this is all bullshit. Okay. So everybody says... Correction, Van Jones didn't do this. Now we get to yesterday. Jewish philanthropy, e-Jewish philanthropy, released the full text and audio of Van Jones's speech. We have that audio. This is how he starts it. Donnie, go. I am... Gonna start off with an apology. Gonna start off with an apology for the silence of my community and for the speech of my profession. Uh uh. When we were hit as a black community 
appalling anti-black bigotry and racism that the whole world saw on a video we expected and insisted that everyone stand and roar back against that hatred and people did by the tens of millions people marched in a pandemic by the tens of millions non-black people to say we will not accept this sort of racism this sort of violence this sort of hatred on this planet people marched by the millions and yet as this wave of hatred has been building against your community we have rationalized over and over and over again responding not with a roar but often with barely a squeak and sometimes a shrug Rachel? <laughs> when you were talking at the top of this podcast, you said that you were going to try to be nice and fair. For those of you who weren't aware of the story and Van laid out the back and forth that's been going on for the last few days, I don't understand how you can be either one of those when addressing this. Yeah, it's not going to work. What Van Jones did is nothing short of diabolical to me, especially when you added in your tidbit and your behind the scene knowledge of it as well. This isn't the first time that we've seen Van Jones speak either on behalf of us to people who don't look like us or speak to us about people who don't look like us. Let's not forget this is the same man who told us that we don't give Donald Trump enough credit for what he's done for black people. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. Van Jones, I don't know if he was reading that speech, I didn't see the actual video, but he definitely took his time in what he was saying. He meant it. He took it on behalf of himself to apologize as, as if he is the spokesperson for black people to apologize for what he says we have not done, which is also a lie in addition to the other lies that were told this week. The fact that he felt like he needed to, I, I, like Van Jones has, has propped himself up as somebody who is representative of black people. He goes on these national television shows, podcasts, whatever it may be, and speaks as a black voice representing the community. So for him to have that presence and then speak to Jewish people and almost make it seem like it's black people's fault that Kanye is unhinged. It's black people's fault that anti-Semitism is out of control. I think even later in that speech, he referred to it as it was a drip and now it's, it's fully running from the faucet. Again, paraphrasing as if because we as black people didn't speak up that now it is out of control. Like I said, this man must be stopped. I have nothing positive to say about him. I don't know what he was thinking. 
clearly there have been black people and non-black people who have spoken out, who have spoken up about the fact that there's anti-Semitism, have said, have have called Kanye West out before he even went down this this whole thing that he's doing now. So I don't know why the sucking up was there. It's gross. It's disgusting. And at this point, and I only gave this, we're only talking about this, and I talked about what he said about Trump. There have been other instances. This is exactly who Van Jones is. And I don't want to hear him try to be or say anything else. And it also should be noted that Van laid out the whole outline of things that have happened. Since this audio recording or video, this recording came out, Van Jones has been silent. There's nothing he can't say. Uh, so let's look at the facts. One, Van Jones lied. I'm not sure why the guy retracted it. Maybe there's like a technicality or I'm not sure why he feels like he didn't Maybe he didn't have the a recording. Maybe he didn't have a recording and he was just taking <sighs> notes and thought he got it wrong. He was. And maybe he thought he got it wrong. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so number one, Van Jones lied. I don't know why he would think that that wasn't recorded in the world where everything was, but he that's at least intellectually to me, from what I see, that seems to be clearly a lie. Um, so I, full disclosure, Van Jones and I have talked before. I text him every now and again. We we had a back and forth, if you guys remember. I made a video about Van Jones. Yeah. And when I made this video, Van Jones was none too pleased. He's none too pleased about the video. He called me up and we had a conversation. And during this conversation, I heard him out. He heard me out. And I came away for a different respect for what it is that Van Jones does and what it is that he's trying to do. Because I am a very, very sensitive malleable man malleable van that's my name if i sit down and i connect with you (laughs) i feel like i understand what he's trying to do and maybe he operates in some rooms where he has to toe the line if you will a little bit more than us maybe that's a fact okay i get that what happened at this event was cultural blackface. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was taking something that is not black. I'm not saying Van Jones. I'm talking about all this shit that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. All the untruths that were coming out of his mouth, right? Right. All the misinformation that was come out, coming out of his mouth. Something that's not black. We've seen all kinds of guys with prominent positions talk about the anti-Semitism that has existed and reared its ugly head in the last X, we, for two years even. And we know who these guys are because they've been roundly criticized and called out by a lot of different people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. including the Kanye's and the rest of them. Everybody's been called a coon and a sellout and all of this stuff. So it's been black people speaking up about that. Right. But what Van Jones did was take all of these things that aren't black and then put a black face on them. 
stand out, stand out, stand in front of a bunch of people and try to curry their favor. It's like literally cultural blackface mm-hmm. is what he did. I'm not sure why he did it. I'm not sure what's in it for Van Jones to do that. I'm not sure what's in it for Van Jones in all of these other situations. But I'll tell you one thing. And there is no way to get around this. There are times. There are instances. There are occasions where Van Jones feels like the weakest nigga who ever lived. And I can't get around that. I'm not, I haven't spoken to him. I don't know what the hell was going on. But number one, to say all of that stuff, and essentially, in my opinion, throw an entire community of people under the bus. Blamed us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An entire community to invoke the fact that people did so much for us when George Floyd was killed, Mm -hmm. but that we will not repay that same sentiment is a shot at the integrity, mm-hmm. the heart, and the soul of black America. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way for me as mm-hmm. even killed as I try to be about it, as fair as I try to be about it, there's no other way for me to analyze that other than that. Then to say that that didn't happen, then to only be proven that it did happen, this is some of the weakest shit I have ever seen before in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's just no way around it. It, it. I'm not talking about, look, man, I ain't talking bad about nobody. Mama, I'm trying to be as nice as I possible. Stop. But that's some fucked up shit. Hey, look, I, I'm no, trying. No no, 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 no. Let me tell you why you need to stop. Because what Van Jones did was give other people the excuse to blame black people for what they feel like they should be doing when it's not when when that shouldn't even be the case because he's lying on what he not even getting it right what he said he's giving people the excuse I saw an article headline from Outkick which we know is a conservative outlet said Van Jones scolds the black community. You're giving people this permission to come at us for what we're not doing. And you talk about, you said you don't know why he did it. When, if you play, and I don't even want to hear it again. If you play the first part of what he said, he took a deep breath. He thought about it. He said it, that he owes an apology as if it was the most profound statement. He waited for the applause. That's exactly what he did it for. You ask what he did it for? For yeah, the you approval. You did it for the applause? For the, oh, for the approval, for the approval okay. of the very people that he was speaking oh, to yeah. in that audience. Not good. I, what else would he be doing it for? He thought he, was, he thought he was speaking to a particular group of people and he thought that we wouldn't find out. Which makes me wonder, when he was working hand in hand with the Trump administration, cozying up with, with Jared Kushner, what else was he saying behind closed doors on behalf of the black community? What do you think he was saying? What do you think he was saying? Give me an example of something that Van Jones was saying. Give me, give me, give me an example I'm of something. I'm sick of these niggas too. Like, Van, <laughs> so you think Van Jones was, you think he was talking to, think he was talking to Eric no, Trump? Yeah, man. Yeah. They loved him. They love him. They love him. 
But it makes me nervous of what else he's what he says behind closed doors. If you could come out and say something like this. It's just so fucking weak. It's It's just so weak. It's just so weak. And look, I'm going to be real. I think it's we've evil. all had weak. We've all had weak moments. I think it's evil. We've all been like it, it's it's all we've all gone back. Look, look back and you know what? Shouldn't have said that. Maybe in front of them. Shouldn't have. It was it's just no. At this point, at this big age, as the kids say, man, Van, if you want to go and have that conversation and you want to talk about how we can fortify, join hands against white supremacy, great. If you want to have that conversation and you want to talk about how we can combat misinformation and disinformation, great. But don't go up and then say, I, I apologize on behalf of these niggas. We owe y'all so much. God damn. That's not weak. God damn. We makes it almost seem like that wasn't purposeful. He was intentional on what he said. That was no accident. I didn't say he wasn't intentional. I'm just saying Weakness I can't say sh- it was evil. It was, it was evil. I, evil is a strong word. Well, so were his. Evil. So evil, were his. Evil. Evil is come on. Evil. 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 It was evil. It was. Evil. I don't know that it was evil. It was. It like, was evil. The effects. Evil? The effects of his speech. Mm. Are evil. Access of evil. Who are the access of evil of b- the black community? Remember when? Remember when Bush said that North Korea? Who did he say? He said it was North Korea, Iran. No, North Korea, Iran, Iran, and who else? North Korea, Iran, and there was another country. What was the access of evil, Donnie? Do you remember what the access of evil was? I- Iraq. You're forgetting Iraq. Oh, Iraq. 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 Iran, Iran, and North Korea. I- Iraq. Iran. Iraq, Iran, and North Korea, they were the axes of evil. Who are the who is the axes of evil in the black community? The three, three people. Think about it. Thought Warriors, that's for you. That's Look, your question? The, okay. That's the question. Who is the axis of evil? Because Rachel says it's evil. I just think it's weak. Evil is different, you know, but Rachel, I'm It's I, not I, I a one-off. It's not a one-off. It's not a one-off. Speaking of somebody who didn't get to become a member of the axis of evil. <laughs> Donnie's favorite moonwalking nigga. Herschel Walker. <laughs> Lost. <laughs> Georgia. Georgia. Warnock. 51%. 1.8 million votes. Walker. 48.6%. Looks like to me that Warnock... Uh, was able to appeal to the voters of Georgia in a sensible way and get them to believe that he was better for the state for the next six years. Racial breakdown of the votes. Donnie, bring it up on the screen for me so I can see. just want to see the way people voted. Put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Donnie, Donnie, put it in the chat. <laughs> All right, white men, 27% Warnock, 71% Walker. 
white women. 30% Warnock, 68% Walker. Black men, 85% Warnock, 12% Walker. Black women, 93%. (laughs) Latino men, 61%. Latino women, 55%. All other races, 55% to 40% for Warnock. Rachel, what do those numbers tell you? Uh, Tells me black and brown people came out and voted for Warnock, which is great. (sighs) Tells me people voted, white voted this way. Black people of color voted this way. Clearly divided uh, amongst the party. But I always am curious, especially looking at this breakdown, 12% of black men voted for Herschel Walker. I would love to bring one of them on. I would love. (laughs) That's not funny. Donnie? Why don't you tell that everybody? Was a layup, though. That was Donnie, a layup. Why don't you tell everybody why? <laughs> what Herschel? What Herschel did that you like so much, Donnie? Take that back. Take that back. <laughs> I was an early voter, a strong Warnock support supporter. Voted a week early. Wanted to get my vote out there. Listen. Um, what does it say to you? Nothing. I mean, Tommy. you know, it's, it's <laughs> nothing surprises you, right? Nothing that surprises me. It just says that there's a a battle for the soul of Georgia that echoes the battle for the political soul of America. That uh, Rachel Maddow said something interesting. Um, she was like, "Acreage doesn't equate to people." Uh, mm. I I am from a because you, sometimes you look and. You look at a map, a political map, and you see a red and a blue map, and you see all of this red, and you go, geez, you know, right. maybe the metropolitan centers of America have too much sway, but look at all these swaths of people. But there's, you know, there's not a lot of people living in those spots a lot of times. And I don't want to take away from uh, my people in America and all over the place in rural areas, but you know, I think that we're looking at a society that is more interconnected and are living in places where that interconnectivity breeds a different sort of idea about what the political progress of the country should look like. And we are fighting a battle against people that live away from those places, obviously, uh, that want to make it great again. Um, And I think the fact that Herschel Walker had as much success as he did is significant of the fact that that other side is so desperate that they will run just about anybody like like at this point the republicans would run a little debbie brownie if they thought it could get 52 percent of the vote like they would run anyone because this is one of the worst candidates i've ever seen have this much success uh in an election do you think that if they had picked a more qualified candidate that was not black that that candidate would have uh received would have received more votes than um warnock 
Uh, I don't know. Like, do they? I, did they? Is it really that this is a purple state? Because that's what pe- they're definitely saying after this election. Is it that this is a purple state, or that they just picked the wrong candidate? Because he's that bad. I mean, still, you had almost one point. Wait, one point seven million people voted for him. But do you think that he? They just picked the. They just did it wrong. A Trump look, back. Trump back candidate. The Republicans are hell bit on allowing Donald Trump to euthanize their political movement. And so, you know, that's where they're at right now. They're too afraid of Donald Trump to stand up to him. They, they, I'm looking at the biggest bunch of punk motherfuckers that have ever existed in politics. I've never seen somebody or a whole party of people this devoted to one guy's balls that they willing to slurp them and then still lose and ask for seconds. We're not uh, like, like Walker is a terrible candidate lumped upon terrible candidates from all over the place. Dr. Oz was a terrible fucking candidate all over the place. They ran terrible candidates and they got beat in a year that they should have, they should have, they should have been able to beat the Democrats. Now, Warnock is not a bad candidate, but he ain't Barack Obama. You know what I'm saying? What he is, is the (laughs) pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist church and somebody who's been fighting his whole life for the rights of people. So he is, in my opinion, uh, the right choice for the future of Georgia and somebody that I would love to see, you know, represent people all across the country in the Senate, but um, with his votes. But it's not like he was some sort of political savant with this unbelievable, this unbeatable Titan. They just don't have a vision for the country. You know, they they ran a serial aborter. Which, look, hey, I'm not saying anything about abortion. I'm just saying he's anti-abortion. Someone who had been violent in the past doesn't have any type of relationship with his son, had his all of his dirty laundry flung in front of the world. And they almost won. And they almost won. So that tells me that if they actually started doing what they say that they do, which is put America first rather mm-hmm. than put power first. Mm-hmm. It, they might not be so easy to beat, but they won't. They're going to run Trump in 24. They're going to run him in 24, and they'll lose. They'll lose. I might run. I might run for president. Go for I it. Think I, I, I think at this point, I think at this point, I could beat Herschel Walker. Nah, maybe not, because no. I joined a lot of OnlyFans. <laughs> no. Back in the day. They're not going. They're not going. Let's not yeah. put all your dirty laundry out there. No. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Uh... Kenya Barris has a new show com- coming out. Movie. New movie. It's called You People. Did you see the trailer? Uh, yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Donnie, did you see the You People trailer? Kenya Barris, uh, Jonah Hill? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. Ashley. Ashley. Yes. Did you see the You People trailer? Kenya Barris, Jonah Hill? I only saw the teaser trailer. Well, that's all anyone saw. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Ashley, come on now. Come come through. This movie has Eddie Murphy, Neil Long, Jonah Hill, Lauren London, 
Andrew Schultz is in this movie. Uh, it's co-written by Kenya Bears and Jonah Hill. The movie is about an awkward white man trying to win the approval of his black girlfriend's father, who is played by Eddie Murphy. The fucking trailer pissed people off so bad. I know. Like the people were so mad. I need all hands on deck in this conversation. <laughs> everybody pop on camera. The, tra- the, the trailer pissed everybody off so badly. Can anybody give me an example? Like, can Rachel, why? Why is everyone so mad about the trailer? I, I, I get I what people were saying. Well, no, that's why I wanted to talk about this on Higher Learning. I'm glad you brought everybody into the conversation because I thought, am I missing something? I know people like to complain for the sake of complaining. I know people like to just come at people, but I thought, oh, okay, great. We're getting Eddie Murphy in a movie. I had no idea that we would have this reaction. Then that they would start coming after Kenya Barris, who I like what he does. I enjoy it. So then I thought, so people are coming uh oh, Vance making a face. He no, doesn't. I didn't. That's, uh, no, no. Kenya Barris is cool. Okay, I mean, okay, okay. I know Kenya. Okay. Yeah. Well, we didn't ask for all of that, Donnie. Give us a ding. <laughs> yeah, ding. <laughs> ding. Give us a ding for that. Ding. We didn't ask for all that. A ding. But I started looking at his filmography because I thought, am I missing something? People were confusing him of being obsessed with interracial relationships and conversation and made it seem like as if all his content is surrounded by that. And I'm like, you guys, this is the man who brought us blackish. What else is that he brought us? And a lot, a lot of black content. So what am I don't get it. Ashley, hmm. Donnie, Van. It it's a Kenya Barris specific thing. I think people claim that a lot of his content focuses on interracial relationships or they've been critical of his casting choices they've accused him of colorism Mm -hmm. um in a lot of his things and um yeah i think that's basically the seed of this so like no matter what he puts out people are going to be quick to like analyze and see if those past check marks are like included in his new materials okay because he's worked on girls trip little Mm -hmm. shaft yeah. Coming to America too. Mm-hmm. 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 Cheaper by the dozen. And I'm just naming yes. a few. Yeah. yeah that yeah. doesn't even fit the narrative. That, well, that, I think people are talking about some of the TV shows too. If you look at, you know, like what? Black AF is light skinned people and their but issues. Like, look, we're, nit- <laughs> we're being nitpicky here. But I, we're look, nitpicky, I'm asking the question. Ashley, your thoughts on this whole Kenya Bears discourse? Um, I mean, I see both sides, I think. Uh, I see the side where it kind of... Wow, you're going to be a great... You're going to be a great podcaster. (laughs) I see both sides. (laughs) Well, it's like... I see, like, how it's not a big deal. I mean, I loved Girls Trip, so I don't really see where, like, um, any sort of, like, colorism issue was there. But then I... I did notice, like, when I was looking at his filmography, like, oh, cheaper by the dozen. Oh, this. And then, oh, this. So maybe that's a weird casting choice. You know what I mean? But I don't know about, like you know having a fixation on uh right that seems a bit like a little bit of a stretch to reach. yeah a little stretch cheaper by the dozen was interracial yes that's like be, there was maybe like two two movies yeah, that he che- had cheaper by the cheaper by the dozen was here's my thing um i'll more look at this as did i think that the trailer was funny 
It's not really. I mean, it just like it it seemed weird to me. It seemed a little off to me. So we'll see how the, I, it's I would say more of this. Um, because I didn't mind black AF as much as other people. I thought it was cool, you know. I'll look at it like this. This is how I look at it. Kenya probably needs this movie to be a hit. Because I don't of know this? why. No. I don't know why. I don't really know why. It's hard to put your finger on it. Niggas is tired of Kenya. And the most important, the mo- the, the hardest thing to do for a lot of black people is like when they get tired of you to reinvigorate them. So people, the fact that the response to this was so visceral, people looked at it and right away, I mean, look at the cast of the movie. If the movie is not funny, the tra- I said that the trailer wasn't funny. It's a teaser. It's like, but so who knows how much I just didn't think to me, the whole thing of white dudes sitting down and Roscoe's talking to a black family, saying all that sexual stuff is so unrealistic that it's played. Like it's so unrealistic that it's played. So that part of it with that did not move me at all. But look, if you got Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill, Neil Long, the, the movie should be funny, but if it's not funny, they're going to turn Kenya off. And I think that's probably more of the thing that I would say than anything else. Cause you know, coming to America too, he did a couple of other films that have come out. People, people have not been fucking with it as much black AF. So you don't want to give those people a little bit more, a little bit more fuel. But I was surprised that it was like Kenya bears trailer. <laughs> but now he's I know- directing the new uh, Beverly Hills Cop movie that they're shooting right now. So that's a, um, that's another thing that I feel like has the potential to fire people online up again. Um, but there's no like there's interracial cop relationships like coworkers. So Donnie's one of that's, the people. Donnie's one of the people online. <laughs> Donnie, that's, Wait, that's what I just There are interracial relationships in. Uh, well, no, he cop means three, they're this four? black and white cop, right? Oh, what you're saying, right? I told right, you, exactly. Donnie. Donnie is Donnie is out That's there. Been in the movie, so, but he's out there. To, That's what I'm saying. He's pushing he's this narrative forward, and I would say that if you're waiting on people, <laughs> if you're waiting on people to change their mind, or I guess to fire people up or not give people an excuse, I think that based on what we saw on social, people have already turned. People already have their minds made up. People are not going to give this movie a chance. Is what it sounds like. Like I think they'll give it a chance. It's okay. Eddie Murphy. It's we'll revisit Neil this. It's market. When does the I'm movie come watch out? Twenty twenty three. I'm gonna watch it. Ashley, how on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the new uh, Kenya Burris Jonah Hill movie? Kenya Burris Jonah Hill movie. Mm, I think maybe a six, probably. Oh, Ashley, okay. it, yeah. it's because he put it like that. He said that Kenya. And Jonah Hill movie. If you would have said the Eddie Murphy movie, well, I think because it, it reminds me of um, "Look Who's Coming to Dinner," like the one with Ashton Kutcher. And so I'm like, oh, I've already seen that. That was great. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if I'm yeah, yeah. So you're not, you know, what I'm, saying? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this, and I get, I, I, I'm willing to do this right now. I'm willing to guarantee that this movie is good. Guarantee. Should we do a watch? We should do a watch. We've talked we about do doing a watch. a watch before. We now have the Spotify studios. 
We're not as we're not as COVID, you know. Yeah. Scary we got a, they as we got used a big. To. But you know what we're going to do? We should do the watch. We're we going to do a watch. They got the theater in there yep. with the screen and we can put the movie on. Especially we're going to do It's Netflix. We do that. Okay. Kenya, whoever's listening, you guys, we're going to do a watch with the people. If you want to come to LA and watch it with the Thought Warriors, Rachel host, Van host, <laughs> Ashley on the ones and twos. Donnie gonna do the moonwalk. <laughs> We're finally gonna do it. This well, like, what's it. the date of the movie? We're finally. Hold on, let's let's get the date of the movie. Date of the movie is you people. It comes out. It's we the people. Ah, damn. No, it's not we the. people. Oh wait, that's it's something you, else he has on. It's you, you people. people. <laughs> this is January. 27th. January 27th. That's not as quite as much time as I thought it was going to be, but that's still That's still okay. That's soon. That's actually we not. We got to get to Chelsea. We got to get to Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, actually, I thought it's that bitch was going to be like. It's a Friday. I we thought that bitch this. was going to be like. I thought March. it was gonna be like February, March. Um, but we, but we, we're in now. We're in too deep now. We got about a month and a half. All right, the four of us. Last thing before we get to mailbag, this is indicative of well what we were talking about on the last podcast. And I'm not banging people for making mistakes, but this is kind of what we were talking about. Stephen A. Smith was talking about uh, the the Deion Sanders situation with Bomani Jones, the brilliant Bomani Jones on first take earlier today. And he said this about Alabama State coach uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. He's got some words for him as it relates to dealing with uh, Deion Sanders, who he calls primetime Deion Sanders. I don't know why he keeps saying it like that, but we'll go ahead. Let me direct this at Eddie Robinson Jr. for a second, the coach at Alabama State Who's been known to go at primetime Deion Sanders on a couple of occasions? He ain't swack and all of this other stuff. My brother, please, please, please chill with it. Yeah, you might not like him. Yeah, you know, primetime Deion Sanders, you know, personality might be in a quiet taste. You are the son <laughs> of the great late Eddie Robinson. Okay. So the 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 great late Eddie Robinson that he's talking about is Eddie Robinson, who is the uh, legendary coach of Grambling. Coach there for years and years and years was at one point the winningest coach in all of college football. Here's the thing. Eddie Robinson Jr. is not Eddie Robinson's son. Eddie Robinson's son died some time ago. It's not his son. The only reason why this is getting brought up right now is because I'm telling people that this is less of a black thing and more of a swack thing. This is less of a black thing and more of a swack thing. Because there's plenty of people. By the way, he went to an HBCU. Like uh, Stephen A. Smith went to an HBCU. 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's talking about Eddie Robinson Jr. saying that Deion Sanders is in swack and telling him to lay off of him. He doesn't, he's not even familiar enough with the culture to know that the point that he's making is not even a point because that's not even that man's son. Is it a swag thing or is it not a football thing? Because a lot of people have been critical about Stephen A. Smith saying he doesn't know football. He's great when it comes to basketball, but when it comes to football, he says things. He talks about players that aren't in the league anymore on different teams. And now talking about, and now talking about a man who was not even related (laughs) to the late great Eddie Robinson (sighs) Sr. To be fair, he is a senior. (laughs) He is a a senior. senior. I think it speaks more to his football knowledge than I'm anything saying, else. Man. I'm just however, saying. however, none of this will compare to what we talked about towards the beginning of this podcast with Van Jones. I, no. I like this. Don't even bo- this don't even bother me because the, it doesn't bother me we, either. We it was just people. People asked me to speak on it. Like Van, talk on what Deion Sanders said. But we, it's not. It's not him. It's Wait. not him. Primetime Deion Sanders. He's like he, primetime Deion Sanders. Why is it primetime Deion Sanders? Like, why? When, why when he found out, when Stephen A. Smith found out, because I didn't see the first take today. When Stephen A. Smith found out that he had gotten it, uh, gotten it wrong, I'm assuming Bomani corrected him. What was his response? They were like, we're not posting that. Cut, cut. We're not posting that. Because he can't even say he can't even say he misspoke. He just was wrong. That was the crux of his point. The crux of his point was, you are the son of the late, great, like, like, come on, man. Come on, Bo had to get a kick out of that. I talked to Bo yesterday. Bo, Bo on his shit. All right, look, we, we, let's get to, let's get to, let's get to mailbag. Let's get back. Swack. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Uh, First one is from Coven Casual on Reddit. They ask, if you had a box with everything that you ever lost, what item are you most excited to see? Oh man, I know exactly. That's a good question. It's so good. Go ahead. Uh Thundercat. Oh, excuse me, not Thundercat. Battle Cat. So when I was a kid, we went to Catfish Town. Downtown Baton Rouge this is a part of the this is a part of the, the, the downtown so country. <laughs> It's part of the downtown area. It's called Catfish Town. Downtown in Baton Rouge. They don't have Catfish Town no more. Uh they still have a they still have a, a sign that says this is where Catfish Town used to be. It's called Catfish Town. Baton Rouge was, it was like an area where you would go and hang out and they had restaurants and, and all of that stuff in downtown Baton Rouge. Look, listen, look, it says Catfish Town, like Catfish Town opens in 1985 in Baton Rouge. They had it uh, back in the day. Catfish Town. Okay, whatever. So we went to Catfish Town one night as a family and I brought Battle Cat with me, which was He-Man's cat that he <laughs> rode on. He Cringer was the scary cat and then 
he would hit him with the with the power of grade school and he would turn into battle cat this big green cat it's great and i had battle cat he had a little saddle on him i lost battle cat at catfish town and god damn it i still feel the trauma like i still feel the trauma of realizing i left battle cat somewhere and how old it had to be like five or six you know i left battle cat somewhere and asking my parents to go back and look for battle cat and they're like nah you shouldn't have brought that goddamn thing out here it's gone you'll learn how to appreciate the next one fuck yeah and i mourned battle cat and even when i eventually got another battle cat it wasn't the same it wasn't the same it's i've asked you what age you were because it's always like somewhere around that age where you lose something and your parents use it to teach you a lesson and it hurts so bad i remember we mm-hmm. were at foley's Do y'all have foley's in baton rouge department Mm-mm. store it's like a dillard's yeah, calf- we had catfish town we have catfish town we had foley's mm-hmm. foley's mm-hmm. i was at red bird mall dallas now called southwest center mall mm. uh I had this purse. It was one of those see-through jelly type kind of hard plastic purses. And it had sunflowers all over it. And it had a metal handle. And I had all my little money saved. I took all my money to the mall. I had all of it in this see-through purse. It was like $25 and some change. Balling. I thought I was. And we were, they had these benches, you know, like department stores, you open the you open the door from the outside and they have like that little foyer in between. They had those benches and you open the clear mm-hmm. doors and you go to the rest of the store. Okay, so we were sitting there waiting. I don't know why I was sitting there on the bench. And we got up and went to the car and I left the purse on the bench. God damn. And we drove nigga. off and I remembered. And I asked my mom to go back and I went back and of course it was gone. Someone was probably <laughs> watching me and I cried. I cried mm, so mm, hard. Mm, mm, I mm. begged my mom, can I have the $25? Which was like $2,500 to me at that time. Might as well have been a million dollars. It was all I had. And my mom said, no, you got to learn to hold on to your stuff. You got to be responsible. I was sick. I too Mm-mm. still remember that feeling. I remember what it what it was like sitting on the bench. I can remember the color of the bench. I can remember a- 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 every single detail. And I never saw the purse again. Never bought another one. Whack. They didn't. I didn't get another one. They got you another toy. Oh, they didn't was, get was, me another by purse. Time, by the time they or got $25. me, by the time I got another Battle Cat, I didn't even fucking want it. Nigga, the era had <laughs> passed, nigga. Like Battle Cat came back. I had all the He-Man stuff, all of this. He-Man was walking. But He-Man had nothing to ride on. Like He-Man walking around, just getting his <laughs> cardio way up. You know what I'm saying? He losing weight because he ain't got nothing to ride on when he got to go over to Snake Mountain and fight Skeletor. By the time they got me back, I'm like, get the fucking shit out of my city. Like, nigga, I need a bike now, nigga. I'm trying to fucking ride out. I don't want no goddamn Battle Cat no more. <laughs> y'all ruined that. Like, we could have gone back and found my other Battle Cat, but y'all was trying to teach parenting lessons. I don't want that shit now. Give me a Huffy or g- give me Huffy or give me death. But like, you, I'm not trying to. But you played with it. When you got it. No, but that's no seriously. By that time, I was <laughs> off He Man. How long? It was like was it? it was like the next Christmas. By that time, <laughs> I was off He Man. Yeah, you like, learned I to was cope. Off. You learned to deal Yo, with it. 
Can I tell you just real quick? They would always do some shit where they was trying to teach little lessons, and I guess I, it worked. It's like I want Voltron, right? It's clearly a Voltron that I want. You know the Voltron. You see him. I want the Voltron. They got me this little Voltron with rubber things and the pegs, this little bitty ass Voltron. I'm like, yo, man, fuck this Voltron, man. <laughs> like, like, you, you know which grateful you- little. I'm I wasn't fucking with it. I knew what I wanted. I was a, I, did that. I, I knew what I wasn't fucking with it. But I got great gifts. Don't get me wrong. Cause I got that bike. I got a power wheel that my cousin Coy broke. You know what I mean? And when I was seven, I got a gun. I got a 410 breakdown shotgun. And that was the best gift I ever got. My parents got it for me. But I wasn't a deprived kid at all. I had a lot of stuff. I didn't but say you were. I said you were ungrateful. They try they be trying to teach little <laughs> lessons and shit. Donnie, what's the next question? Give my shit. All right. Sticking with gifts. Uh, this next one is from Truth Ally on Reddit. They ask, "What was the gift you asked Santa for growing up that you never received?" I got them all. You got everything that you asked him for that I remember. <sighs> yeah, I don't think I didn't get nothing. Well, I got. I eventually got it, but I remember I was the only one in the neighborhood that had a Sega, like a Sega Master System, not the Sega Genesis. You know, when the Genesis came out, that shit was different. And I wanted a Nintendo, but they was a little late on the uptake. And so when they got there, they bought the Sega. I remember my dad came home and I opened it up thinking it was Nintendo. And I looked at him and the look on his face was like, yeah, say something. Say something about it. <laughs> say something about the fact that ain't a Nintendo, nigga. You better plug that bitch up and play. And guess what I learned to do? I love to love that Sega. And then in a couple Another years, I got lesson. the Nintendo. And Another. I learned to love that. And plus, I started to be like a kind of a little G. I was the only motherfucker that had the Sega. So if you wanted to play certain games at the crib, you had to come to my house because it was on the Sega. Anyway. Look at that. Yeah. I didn't Donnie ask for a lot of stuff, I feel like, for, for What'd you holidays. get? What was the best gift you ever, gift you ever I got? I don't know the best gift, but I remember when I thought I didn't get what I asked for. I wanted, which now I see how problematic these were. I wanted American doll. All my friends had an American doll. They have. They only had five. Slavery. They only had five, Jesus. and um, they only had five. American dolls, <clears throat> and I wanted Addy. I still. <laughs> That's Addy. That's Addy right there. So at a young age, hey. obviously, I didn't fully hey, grasp it. They had. Addy. They had. Addy looked like the color purple. They had <laughs> one. They had one black American doll. And she a slave. And she was born into slavery. And Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Wait, wait, Ashley, hold on. Ashley, do you know what I'm talking about? Wait. Yeah, I remember. I remember Addie. Wait. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold. I was joking. No, I'm not kidding. You're lying I'm to me that the kidding. fucking doll is a slave. I'm not Are kidding. Are you fucking kidding me? And this is how they described her. Addie, a proud, courageous girl determined to be free in the midst of the Civil War. Why? Why did they do that? What? what, what like? What, what, You'd never what, heard what, of this, American Dolls? No. No. I'd heard earlier when I made the slavery joke, I only made it because the dolls look old. Well, they I are didn't know all the, old. They are all like from a different era. And that was their theme. And they had one black one 
And I wanted her because all my friends had the white ones. Felicity, Samantha, Kristen. Felicity was a colonial girl. Kirsten was a pioneer girl. Samantha grew up in the Victorian era. Addie grew up in the Civil War. Molly was during World War II. They were all old, like older dolls. They all had stories. They all had these books and that told a story with them. I don't remember everything, but that was Addie. And anyways, I didn't get the full story at the time. Obviously, I was young. But I thought I wasn't getting Addie. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And the dolls had like the books, these clothes, these whole bedroom sets, everything. You could buy the whole thing. And uh, my parents had it in like a different area of the house. And anyways, I rounded the corner and all of Addie's stuff was there. Now you're going to do a deep dive on Addie and American well, let, me dolls, you, let, let, let me tell you something real quick. First of all, you and your whole family should be ashamed of yourselves. All of you. You, the judge, pretty hair, <laughs> rim shot, little sis, all of y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Let me tell you why. Human trafficking Addie and putting her to work. Y'all some black slave owners. Actually, y'all like y- y- y'all some actually, black putting did you have Addie. An American put, doll? Putting no. Addie. No, don't change the no, of course she didn't. No, she's like, also it, younger. It you, was know, like, you know what you you know what y'all should have done? If if you should have played Underground Railroad with Addie. Okay, we should have dressed not. up like you should have dressed up like Harriet Tubman. And then, and just see if you can get Addie from the living room to your parents' room <laughs> undetected. That's so like, not funny. <laughs> like, like, to see, see if you can like pack a little canteen, make yourself get a knife from the kitchen, get a little a water stick, gun, the, the, the stick. The, see if you the sticks like. I, I couldn't. I'm not gonna lie, man. We gotta. Do they still sell, sell Addie? American Girl gotta uh, be stopped. They sell American Girl dolls. Have stores. They have a whole thing. They have. Like, I know the they had one at the Grove. This is how I know about the dolls because I don't celebrities know. used to go there. I don't anyway. know if they still have her. They do. I don't want to talk about this now. The, I yes, see something still that says her. she's changed a bit. They I see okay, something she that says finding freedom. Addie Walker's family is planning a dangerous escape from slavery during the summer of 1864. Uh, uh, hey, 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 I don't want to hear no more about it. I'm about to get pissed off. We got to move on. We got one doll and it's a, it's a, it's a slave. Th- these niggas is not even playing. I, I don't want to hear no more about it. I don't want to hear no more about Addie anymore. I don't want to hear no more about Addie. I'm going to break into American Doll and I'm going to steal all the motherfucking Addies out. I'm going to set them motherfuckers free. I don't want to hear no more about Addie. I don't want to hear no more about Addie, man. I want to hear. That's so fucked up. That's so fucked up, man. Yeah, I didn't grasp like, it at the time. At, Donnie, please, next question for Mailbag, please. All right. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> Kevin. <them> free. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. <laughs> it really is. Um, Kevin O'Farksnake on Reddit That's what I'm talking asks, about. this is a two-parter. For Rachel, name one Star Wars. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, name? <laughs> like one character in the movie? Like, like Luke Skywalker? Name, name one movie. Name one movie. I Star Wars. 
Mm. Almost counts. Kind of. No, Star Wars. Sort of counts. It sort of counts. Okay, Star Wars. It, it counts. I, don't know. It, I mean, I guess. I guess, To be honest with you, it it does count. It, that Thank counts. you. But do they all have like yeah. a like Lost in Time, Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Come on, I pulled that up. That, that just came to me. That's not bad, is it? It's not bad. I would see that movie. I thought that sounded pretty good. Oh, so you're right, though. They do. Star Wars, A New Hope. Star Wars, The Empire Strikes oh, Back. Star right. Wars, Return oh, of the Jedi. The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Return yeah, of the yeah. Jedi. Those sound Star familiar. Wars. Star Wars, The Phantom the legend, Menace. The Legend of? Is there one of those? No, it's not The Legend <laughs> of Star Wars. Star Wars, Rogue One. But I guess Star Wars, I guess that kind of counts. Donnie, what's the second part of the question? Our second part of the question is completely unrelated. <clears throat> they said, in all seriousness, though, what's your favorite song right now? What? What's, our, what's my favorite song? I got to consult title real quick. Hold on. Let me see. That is... I... I got a consult title. <clears throat> Let's see what I'm listening to right now in title. Title. Mm. You got one, Ashley? Yes, absolutely. Always. Oh, mine is, mine is Ashley's. <laughs> mine is uh, Kerosene by Eve's Tumor. What the fuck is that? I don't know what that is. It's really, it's dope. It's dope. Eve's Tumor? Yes, yeah, but like Y-V-E-S. Y V E S. Let me see. Eve's Eve's tumor. Let me see. This is it. Play it. Yeah, this is. Play song. It, let, it, let it rock. Let me see. Oh, uh, yo, Eve's tumor. Kerosene coming through. Oh, uh, yo, turn the mic up. Ashley, I know this motherfucker better get rocking pretty soon. I'm I'm a you know chill vibe kind of girl. Are they gonna sing? Ashley, this sounds like something that you would smoke to. Yeah. <laughs> Do me a favor, turn this off. So look. Ashley, so you're like Lo-Fi Girl yes. on YouTube. Oh, so you're like Lo-Fi. Ashley, that's your new nickname, Lo-Fi Girl. That's literally me. You're Lo-Fi Girl. Yes. Okay, I get it. Because if I was listening to the Lo-Fi Jams on YouTube, I'd be like, this is nice. I'm never going to listen to it voluntarily any other time. But <laughs> it, I, like, it's Lo-Fi. Yes. I get it. Lo-Fi. Ashley is Lo-Fi Girl. Yes. I saw you with the thing. Lo-Fi Girl. Okay, cool. That's enough podcast for today. We gave you guys a robust amount of time. Um, we discussed it all. We're going to do this. You people watch party at Spotify. Okay? Yeah, it's going to happen. Or maybe Spotify won't let us do it. What maybe... is a, this is a great way to kick off the year. No, Spotify yeah. has events. Okay, they have events. I know, I've but seen them. do they have events where they show Netflix movies? I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of, I don't know, maybe we'll have to do it at Spotify Netflix. Spotify doesn't not do sure. anything with movies. No, they should be able to show. What's, what's the theater for then? What's it for? Well, that's just true. It's so got a theater. Yeah. Maybe they got a theater for to play Lo-Fi Girl. And have her on the screen while Lo-Fi Jams play. Okay, cool. We're gonna we're gonna do this for real. This is gonna happen. Um, take the encounter off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs>